Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 174. I don't even know what the day is today. March 23rd. That is a Sunday night of the year 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Tether.tv. All located in, oh, like submerged spring schming. Like we got two inches of snow yesterday. I don't know about you, Asif, uh, what Toronto's like, but two inches of snow buried again. Well, it is Ottawa. No, yes, this is Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. No, uh, spring, I think, is is on its way. It's still cold, but we haven't had the snow, uh, thankfully, around that. And yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs are tanking again. And I don't know, man. It's not looking like they're going to make the playoffs. Not, not as poorly as our Ottawa Senators. No. No, they haven't won in six games. I just I, I just leave town when they're in this kind of a funk. Yes. Yeah. No, well, you know we what, lost uh, last night, and we're going to lose tonight again. So. Oh, so sorry. But baseball's right around the corner. Yeah. Jays won today. And the, and the, and the hope is back there in Toronto land. Yeah. Raptors won today. Yeah. Just the Leafs. But it's okay, because I, I wouldn't do Toronto my... Toronto FC won yesterday. See, listen. It, you, yeah. Now, they need to channel something for the Leafs to win. And it's like, I'm a Sens fan. I don't want the Leafs to win. If the Sens aren't in the playoffs, the Leafs can't be in the playoffs. It just doesn't make any sense. But I, you know... Yeah. I well, know. listen. Right. It was it was a it was a uh, a great week. I I had a uh, workcation, as they say, where uh, I I had some work to do in Florida. Uh, wrapped up the family in a nice little bow, and we went down to Disney and uh, spent a, a total of eight days down there in Disney. Uh, four days in the parks, and then four days otherwise doing some work and other things. It was just, you know, it, it's it's Florida, a sieve. It's not. It's not. A, it's a great place, especially when it's snow is coming down and it's minus twenty one in the city. And and it took three days for me to actually um, defrost my bones. Right. That's how cold I was from this winter. Uh, very refreshing. It's amazing what a little bit of sunshine does to your your uh, mental state and your ability uh, to think. Um, but I, you know, the one thing I want to bring up very very quickly here is this: the way that Disney, Disney proper, Disneyland, um, Disney World, Disney World. World. Disney World. Um, does something that's absolutely amazing. They give you these bracelets that uh, when you, when you, they mail them to you. And then, so you wear them as you go down there and uh, everything is powered by these bracelets. And, you know, typically you would see this, like your room, you do, your lock opens with your, these bracelets, but they're also like a homing device. They also are, uh, what I think is a fascinating thing is, is a closed loop payment system inside of all of Disney property. So when you get to the airport and you go into the Disney store, they have these these things, these little uh, uh, things where you actually push down uh, the device on, on your wrist onto the device on the counter, and it and it processes payments for you right away. It sets up a folder for you, is the way it was described to me, and and it doesn't go out to your credit card company. It doesn't do any holds on your credit card company. It doesn't do any of those things that the credit card companies love to do. Basically, creates a little uh, a little credit within the Disney World. And then when you go and check out at the end of the day, they tabulate it all up and then you pay with your credit card. So they have this little IOU system that is blanketed across every property just in Florida. It's only it's the only Disney property that has these, but every one of the theme parks, every one of the stores, every one of the restaurants, you don't have to carry cash. You don't have to do anything except for just tap your little your little wristband and it works. And it is amazing. I was talking awesome. to a guy this morning and he was saying that the average spend is up considerably as a result of these things because the seamless nature of this, you don't feel like you're paying, pulling out your credit card. You're not thinking about anything. It's like, yeah, bing, 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 double fisting it, literally. 
at the cash register. I, this, if you've never been there, they just rolled this out about a year ago. Really got to watch the kids though, Rob, right? I mean, they just oh, yeah. go in and grab everything and then just go bing, 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 right? Well, it's, it's, it's pin, it's pin, uh, protected. So you just don't <laughs> tell anybody your pin. Yeah, but like I was, I was blown away with how about how advanced the, what they're doing down there. And this is a, this is a city. It's Lake Buena Vista, which is not, which is outside of Orlando, right? Yeah. South of Orlando. Um, and I was saying like, literally like how much of Lake Buena Vista does Disney own? And the guy I was talking to says like, well, most of it. Right. So Lake Buena Vista is Disney. Um, so I said, why don't they just call it Disney? He said, look, you know what? They can't do it because of zoning issues. They can't just rename the Swampland. But they said that what you see of Disney properties right now, all of the Disney properties, it's like the Magic Kingdom, it's all of them. Uh, it's only 15 percent of the square footage of the, of the actual land mass that is owned by Disney. Eighty five percent is untouched. Trees. I'm like, oh, I was blown away. Like Disney sucks. Right. Like it was, it was a tough experience. You know, we had to do it with the kids. Uh, they loved it, but as a parent, it's just crowded and sweaty and like <laughs> uh, anyway. But I was blown away by, by what they were doing. Unbelievable with their payment systems and their identification systems. It's pretty amazing. Pretty freaking amazing. Anyways, that, that was that was the big takeaway for me. Good weather and this entire infrastructure that they put in. The guy said uh, that it was painful because they were built on legacy systems, but they just basically layered this on top of legacy systems. And he said he went from, uh, you know, DOS to a uh, to a, a button click. And uh, it was so, the shift was so incredible, uh, but it left a lot of people in the dust. Um, so this right. is fascinating, fascinating. Um, and Very I, cool. I yeah, that's Disney. Forget the theme parks. I was in there like, let, let me see the technology. Hey, you were looking at the payment system. Man. I know. <laughs> anyway, and then All I, right. I have this President's Choice financial card uh, that doesn't work with Chase Banks. So that's another, like, there's just so many letdowns. You get these highs and then these lows, right? So um, don't go And they don't there. take PayPal, right? And they don't take PayPal, and it's all major credit card stuff. So they've got, like, a part of this advanced piece, but then they've got this not-so-advanced piece, which is they don't accept PayPal. I said, like, I'll just email you the funds. And they're like, oh, no. How, how do we do that? Like, uh, so they're halfway yeah. there. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, big week. Uh, anything going on with your week uh, this past week, Steve? You know, I was uh, it was a busy week for me. A lot of just meetings and uh, and stuff. I was in Detroit for some stuff with Chrysler, and then in New York, uh, had a bunch of meetings with uh, with Clear Channel and the MTA that runs the transit there, and uh, met up with uh, you know j just just a bunch of meetings this week, and then w went to Atlanta to uh, participate in a um, wireless technology forum, which is an Atlanta uh, group that meets regularly uh, and they were doing a panel on location so I went down and uh, participated in that and that was fun met a bunch of uh, interesting folks there and uh, looking forward to uh, to uh, engaging with that group again but uh, this week coming we've got an event in on Tuesday in Dallas the LBMA Dallas chapter uh, and that's all about beacons and uh, so if you're in that space we've got a bunch of retailers coming to that uh, event so excited about that um, yeah and then on April the 1st the week after uh, I'll be in LA for the Mobile Media Summit, uh, and that's a pretty big event. Um, so just you can find all the details on the LBMA forward slash or the the LBMA dot com forward slash events. Sorry. Ah, I wish I could get out there. LA is going to be nice, especially when the winter just will hold mm -hmm. on. Its grips are tightening around us right yeah. now. Yeah, it's getting nicer though. It is. Well, we have uh, 10 great stories that we're going to kind of go over with you guys, and then we are going to uh, dive into three of those. We have a great resource of the week, which is this application that is taking everybody by storm. It's called Fire Chat, and we'll cover that at the end of the show. But first of all, 
Our Mobile Minute with Sir Chuck Martin. It's time for another Mobile Minute. Here are your hosts, Bob Woodbridge and Chuck Martin. Welcome back, everybody. So, Chuck, location does impact the shopping process after all, doesn't it? Uh, yes, based on a new study by RSR Research, they found that U.S. consumers are using their, their shopping sometimes in, at home, 44%, in store, 32%, at work, 27%. Not any of your viewers here, though. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're really shopping a lot of the time. While at home, 60% are using their phone to research. And while they're in the store, 57% are using them to compare prices, which is really not a big surprise. But if you, if you look at what, what's really happening in terms of the primary goals of, of retailers to drive to the store, they're saying that based on the, the RSR study, the goal of the retailer mobile strategy, 49% is to drive people to the drive sales to the store. And we know that mobile shoppers really do want to buy at the store. 41% to provide a new selling channel for the existing brand. 39% to empower their employees to meet customer service expectations. 35% to help their employees be more efficient. And 34% to provide rich content and community input to help consumers choose the brand. So it's really all over the map in terms of what retailers are looking to do. Well, what about price matching? Do they like doing that? Um, one, one of the uh, fewer than a third of the retailers are giving consumers the price matching ability oh and, <laughs> and it, it's such an opportunity uh, for, for a consumer to go price matching and get the best price. We know they're, I mean, almost 60% are comparing prices in stores, whether they're using a, a price match or, or a, a web-based uh, uh, information from their mobile phone. They are checking the prices, but the retailers just, a lot of them just don't see it. And that was Chuck Martin with our Mobile Minute. Of course, you can get those every single weekday, five days a week on Untether.tv. You can subscribe there or only on iTunes video right now. But if you like it in audio, let me know. Rob at Untether.tv and I will set up a feed with audio only. But uh, we appreciate Chuck letting us use that here. And of course, Chuck coming on each and every week on Untether.tv. I appreciate him doing that as well. All right, on with the stories, man. Top 10 stories of the week. Fascinating finds. Again, Mr. Khan, go to. Thank you, sir. All right, our first story, it comes from the Weather Channel, and they've launched a new ad exchange platform called WeatherFX. Uh, pretty cool little thing here. Uh, so basically, they're just looking at all the data that they collect uh, around weather and the, his the historical pieces of that, and then use that uh, data to kind of predict trends around products and what people might be interested in. Um, and so we'll uh, we'll talk about that more at the back end. This is one of our feature stories uh, uh, this week, and so we'll go into a lot more detail on that. But the Weather FX platform from the Weather Channel. Amazing, amazing! I'm so surprised it took this long for them to do it. All right, our second story. Uh, you know, most social feeding apps, like the you know the kind that bring in all your social graph and your social sphere, whatever the term you want to do it, were built to let you know where your friends are, and we're you know built to allow you to reach out to them. But this new app, created by former BuzzFeed exec Chris Baker, it's called Cloak, thinks the opposite is what many people want. I don't know about you, but this is an interesting application. The app lists where your, your social media friends and followers are on a map, and they use it as a warning to not go there if you don't want to run into them. This is a fascinating approach. It supports Instagram and Foursquare currently with Facebook plans in the future, but not Twitter because, hey, they say Twitter doesn't get location. Most of the location isn't activated on, on the tweets these days, as we've talked about. And, uh, and the, the location is far too broad at this point. But if you're interested in Cloak, go to usecloak.com. 
Com. Hey, who doesn't want to hide, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right. Our third story uh, comes from Google, and Google uh, has launched uh, something called the Android Wear operating system. So this is taking the, the Android mobile operating system uh, and kind of tweaking it a little bit uh, and opening it up to developers uh, you know, who are interested in, in building uh, Android solutions for wearables, for smartphones and, and the like. And uh, lots, uh, lo- lots of interesting things to talk about here. Um, but uh, yeah, take a look, Google Android Wear operating system. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this one in, in, uh, in some greater detail on the back end of the show. Remember that movie, You've Got Mail, Asif? Yes. Remember that? There was all the AOL, You've Got Mail. I'm just waiting for the sequel to that, which is OK, Google. That sounds right. <laughs> OK, Google. OK, Google. Yes. There we all go. Right. Our uh, fourth story here is a Melbourne-based company. Uh, here's, here's an app uh, called Exist. It's a new web platform that compiles every piece of data a person creates or tracks. Now, I am a fanatic about this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and I love the concept of bringing all this information into one dashboard. Uh, these guys, um, the developers are, Bell, uh, the, uh, I think it's Bell, Beth, Cooper, and Josh Sharp. The platform provides users with a comprehensive view of lifestyle, habits, and choices to suggest patterns and connections. So these guys have actually connected Fitbit, Jawbone Up, Moves, which I love, Moves app, Foursquare, Twitter, Last.fm, I guess for your music tastes yep. and, and uh, moods. Uh, forecast.io which is a weather uh, notification systems and daily mood by email and withings and my fitness pal are coming soon this is an interesting play they're actually doing this is a crowdfunding uh, initiative right now so you can go in and donate i think it's 60 uh, australian dollars which for us is 60 canadian dollars to actually get this thing up and running but this is an app that i would absolutely love to have a web-based application it's called it's at exist.io if you want to support them or take a little Take a look. Yeah, and I like the fact that it supports so many platforms, and that and that it is a web-based app. It's not you know something you got to install. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I like it. So if you want more information, go to exist.io. All right. And yeah, sorry, I, I, my eyes got averted. I heard a little buzz on my phone, and that was just to see that the Leafs, in fact, just lost three to two to the New Jersey Devils. There you go. <laughs> we got sports updates here, right in the middle. I love it. <laughs> we are a hockey crazy nation. Oh man. Okay. All right. Our fifth All right, story next, is next. Uh, the next story, uh, the fifth story, <laughs> comes from a group called the Ladders. Um, and uh, they've uh, they've had a an app out for a while called Job Search, which they launched last year. And Job Search is uh, an app for, as as the name implies, you're a job seeker, and it helps you find jobs near you. So it's completely location based. They kind of based this on the Tinder app uh, as a basis for the platform. And now they've launched the the sort of reverse side of that, which is called Recruiter, and it helps recruiters. Uh, you know, find candidates or, or review candidates, and it's got a very simple interface to it. So it's got the simple sort of, you know, swipe to the uh, to the right to delete, swipe to the left to uh, to to accept. Sorry, reverse that around. Swipe to the left to delete, swipe to the right to uh, to accept. And so uh, recruiters can look at candidates and kind of review them very quickly in a, in a, in a visual way and kind of remove them from their uh, their, their list that that they're uh, considering. So. It's called uh, the group's called the Ladders, and the app is called simply called Recruiter. All right, we're going to take a break here between our stories and uh, talk to you about this great thing called Patreon. 
If you've yes. ever wanted to support this show or any of the Untether.tv shows, that ragtag of shows, which there are three of them, um, you can head to patreon.com forward slash untether to do just that. It is a new system, a, a new service that actually helps support independently created content like you find right here. And we think that if there's a, any amount of value that you derive from this, we do four shows of this a month. We're looking for a minimum of a dollar a month if you're willing to support uh, what we're doing here. And if you support us up to the tune of $25 or more, we're going to send you some whole bunch of stuff. And the next time we see you in person, we are going to hug the crap out of you. You So you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash untether. Become a patron of this show. Thank, and you can be just like Jeffrey Deason, John Rennick, Carrie Rinta, and Cornelius. Those guys have supported us. You too can just by going to patreon.com forward slash untether. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash untether. We'd appreciate it. And we will. Hug, but no tongue. Just hugs. Just hugs. Is that, is that fair? That's fair. All right, we'd appreciate that, and we appreciate those that have already sponsored us, and we would appreciate it if you did the same thing. Just let us know, you know, sh share the love. 25 cents an episode. All right. Can't beat it. All right, our sixth store, I know I see a little bit of a hint of depression right there in Asif's face. If you're watching this, it's, like he, it's just like, you know what? Oh, the Leafs lost. <laughs> the Leafs lost. We are oh, man. All right. So our sixth story here involves this company called Indoors. We've talked about them many times before on this show, I-N-D-O-O.R-S. They are actually, indoor, they, they're an indoor location company that are going to collaborate with the San Francisco International Airport on exploring and enhancing navigation and location-based services within the airport. They were selected from nearly 200 startups from 25 cities around the world to participate in the in San Francisco's new Entrepreneur in Residence program. I I didn't find many details about what these guys are going to do with it, but it just sounds fascinating. We love indoors. Check them out at indoo.rs. Yeah, and the one thing, just to add one piece to that, that I really like about this is is this is a company indoors that's like based in Austria. Yes. Right, and here they are, you know, across the pond. You know, and, and winning the uh, winning the you know the, the the campaign here to get selected to be you know in San Francisco Airport as as the indoor location guys. I mean, I think that's a great story in itself. Pretty amazing, so. and that's how open San Francisco's technology community is to looking elsewhere right. to find innovation. In the heart of Silicon Valley, an Austrian company can succeed. Yes, way to go indoors. I n d o o dot r s. All right. Our seventh story is about a company called PayRange, uh, P-A-Y-R-A-N-G-E, and basically these guys have developed a payment system for vending machines. Uh, again, I don't know what it is. All the stories I got today are the ones that we're gonna we're gonna go into detail with. But uh, anyhow, um, you know, in, in simple form here, basically they developed a little device that that you uh, that you build into the or, or add into the uh, vending machine. And then, uh, and then people don't have to worry about you know coins and cash and credit cards and everything else. They can simply use their phone to pay. And we'll go into a lot more detail. This is really cool, actually, what they've done here. Um, but I don't want to spoil it yet. So uh, st stick around for a little bit and listen to what we've got to say about pay range. But if you don't and you're interested in a little bit more information about those guys, I think they're at just payrange.com. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, our eighth story. There's two parts to this. Uh, you know, there's a company that we've covered. This is just a little bit of uh, some fundraising news that had happened in the past week. We covered these guys a couple of times. I've interviewed these guys, uh, their previous, their founder and their previous CEO, 
company's called Gigwalk. They, um, they're a mobile app that allows consumer packaged goods companies to enable a mobile workforce. So we've talked about this, this burstable workforce environment where they have gig walkers that, uh, that are anywhere in the city and you can hire them at any point in time to do a job. Well, they've refocused on the packaged goods industry. So they've raised $10 million from Nokia Growth Partners uh, and new investor Randstad holding, I think it's Nevada, and existing investors, August Capital, Harrison Metal, and Soft Tech. They launched in 2011 uh, and have pivoted from employing a broad mobile workforce for random tasks from companies to allowing CPG companies to track company uh, campaigns and shelves uh, for product placement in stores. So essentially, somebody can walk into a store, take a picture of a shelf to get a sense of inventory. This would be fa this would be an interesting uh, play, uh, but I'm, I'm sure that the technology that has evolved, uh, Steve, over the last couple of years has, you know, especially around inventory, might remain or, you know, might push Gigwalk even further down the path of obscurity at some point if they're going down these paths. I, I don't know. But $10 million, you know, in these days is a is a kind of a light investment for a company that's uh, that is should be scaling pretty quickly at this point. I'm not sure what you think. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if there's just, you know, too much competition from Zarlis and TaskRabbits and, you know, all those other guys in, in the space that they were in. The, um, you, you know, just one quick thing on that when I read this story, when I found this story this week, it was uh, the first thing that jumped into my mind is is um, a Dutch company that we covered way back when called Romler, R-O-E-M-L-E-R. This is what they're doing now is exactly what Romler does is they, you know, they, but they, the difference is they go and they, they recruit consumers to go and verify, you know, the packaged goods uh, layout and display and all of that, and and kind of reward them for doing that on behalf of these these corporate CPG clients. Um, so this is not a new concept by any means. Um, and interesting to see Gigwalk has has gone there. Anyhow, um, and just a side story to this on the, still on the funding front, uh, another company out of the UK that we've covered called What Three Words uh, has raised a few million bucks, three million bucks here. Um, and um, you know this is an interesting story. We covered these guys a while back, and and they've got this concept of taking everything out there, every place out there, and instead of you having a postal code associated with it, you you give it you know a name based on three words like you know apple maple syrup. I, I don't know, whatever. And, and and that's the three words designated to that particular the place. The leaves suck, right? Yeah. Those yeah. three words, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something like um, that. Anyways, so, um, you know, I, I have to say I was skeptical uh, when we first covered this story, and here they are. They're still going along, and they've raised some money. And, uh, you know, I've you know, i I've talked to a bunch of people in the industry about this concept, and some people think uh, you, you know, there's some validity to this here in terms of, you know, maybe a postal code isn't going to be it for the rest of uh, our lives even. Who knows? You know, um, I, I think that the uh, wireless domain registrar that we've talked about yep. beforehand, I think they have a better chance of, of winning than, than something like my three words. And, um, you know, I'm not I'm not as optimistic, even if you raise money in this world, what three words, not my three words, but even if you raise money in this in this, you know, economy, even three million dollars, it's 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 toss away money. And yeah. I'm, I'm not optimistic about this. I think it's kind of ridiculous. And if, if this really was a platform play to eradicate the postal code or the zip code, uh, Three million bucks? Nah, not gonna do it. Yeah. Not yeah. enough. So uh, I mean, what would be interesting is, is it, you know, if a major postal agency, you know, like the Royal Mail in the UK, where these guys are based, or you know, the U.S. Postal Service or or whatever, decided to back these guys and and put some money into this thing and and test it, that would be different. 
Yeah. Right. But as a standalone, I don't know. You can't I do have it. Trouble not with it. three million. Not even with yeah. three hundred million. Anyhow. Yeah. All right. Our uh, our next story is about uh, the blending of digital signage and augmented reality uh, in Australia. Uh, so this uh, a shopping mall called Mount Omani. Uh, that's with two M's uh, in it. Shopping center. This is in Brisbane. Uh, Australia. They basically uh, worked with a digital signage vendor company called Prendi, P-R-E-N-D-I, uh, to create a, an experience for uh, for kids to activate uh, around this thing. And so what they did was is they they set up an AR kind of thing where kids could uh, duel a pirate or swim with fishes or fight a lion or you know whatever, uh, and they would see this experience. They would see themselves fighting this thing on this integrated digital screen uh, built into the, into the experience. Uh, what I liked about it is uh, really quickly is that you know with a lot of the AR stuff you know it's tied to you know you got to have your phone to see what's going on. And here this is in a shopping mall, so you know instead of having kids. You, you know, trying to figure out, you know, well, we're, first of all, they don't even have a phone necessarily. You know, it's their parents. You know, they can see this digital screen. They can walk onto this this marker that they got to step on, and they can see themselves fighting the lion or, or dueling a pirate, um, you know, and, and, and they want to participate in it. So I like that blend, uh, especially in this kind of physical environment, uh, like a shopping mall. It makes, makes sense. Yeah, you know, I just, I love the one where uh, there's this video that's been playing in the background and, and maybe it'll be timed to my voice right now, but uh, I love the one where you, you were, where the guy's fending off a lion from being mauled by a lion. I think it's hysterical. Or even the best one was the little girl that looks like she's trying to hack up Tinkerbell. I just, you know, <laughs> it's funny because there's a guy, like there's a sword, uh, you know, you've seen the video, but there's a, there's a guy playing with a sword, right? It's like a sword fight and then there's Tinkerbell and so a girl trying to like, <laughs> trying to hack up Tinkerbell it's just very it's very funny but the the lion looks like it's about to maul did, did Disney have any of this stuff for us come on say, you know Disney we didn't see much of this you know it was more real life like you're part of you know Disney's philosophy is is being part of being a cast member in everybody's a part yeah. of this show and uh, I gotta say if if the show was uh, you know America uh, turning into um, uh, Wally, Wally World. Do you remember? Have you ever? Did you yep. ever watch Wally, where yep. uh, you know we we just basically ate everything and consumed all natural resources, and then built this big rocket ship and blasted off into space, and we all became these fat blobs that didn't walk. Like that's that's what Disney really was. It was like <laughs> real life Wally World with every like you know six year olds with their you know ninety ounce Slurpees of of Coke just <laughs> being rolled around in in uh, you know in in carts basically. It was just it was tough to watch. <laughs> so it was very much in real life, and everybody played their part. Holy cow! All right, yikes, yikes. All right, our our tenth story, digression. Our tenth story uh, is uh, you know uh, this is an interesting concept. A Luxembourg-based uh, payments company called DigiCash Payments has launched a pilot project with three Luxembourg retail banks to pay merchants via what they call single euro payments area credit transfers. So that's SIPA credit transfers by beacons. Uh, the banks are BC, E, Post, and Bill. And according to mobilepaymentstoday.com, DigiCash beacons at the POS transmit payment-related data automatically to smartphones that are held close to them. So this is beacons being used to pay. I think this is fascinating. Large-scale rollout is planned for the second half of 2014 
according to DigiCash themselves. This is just a test. And I think that this is an interesting, interesting play, interesting yeah. use of beacons, man. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. We haven't seen, you know, anything with beacons beyond, you know, the retail stuff that we've talked about, right? I mean, yeah. so, you know, this kind of payments and, and they combine Bluetooth, NFC and QR all in the same beacon capability. So I love that. Um, and the fact that you don't need a mobile wallet to uh, to do this because you're using these you're using these SIPA transfer things, yeah. great. Yeah, it's tough to say, but it's it's uh, effective. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories that have come out this past week around uh, Apple's um, right or wrong at the time, but right move to move a, not embrace NFC. I mean, mm. Apple doesn't think reactively; they think proactively, and that's what we're talking about here. Is that everybody was waiting for their answer for payments, and maybe this this use of beacons is it obviously is going to be their NFC, and there's never yep. going to be a point in time when they need NFC as part of their devices. So stop thinking about that. Start looking. I at what told these guys you, man. When, when six comes out, I expect full iTunes wallet to buy anything. Well, and it should be like, and if you look, if you combine it with what the Disney folks are doing with their Disney payment systems, and that it's a perfect example of of real world digital payments, closed loop payment systems, yeah. all controlled by one one company. And next week, you know, little tidbit here. Next week, for those who who follow or or just following now, gonna, I got a big Apple story for you guys next week. Sweet, big I don't know Apple. What he's talking about? Yeah. All right, those are the 10 stories. Those are the 10 big stories that we think this week. We're going to break it down in three smaller stories, or three. we're going to highlight three of the stories, three of those small stories, and break them out a little bit. Um, we're going to look at the Weather Channel's uh, WeatherFX platform and what that means to context, uh, contextual-based marketing. We're going to look at Google Android for wearables, which is insane to me, uh, which is insanely great. And then uh, we're going to look at the pay range story. These guys are, uh, we're, are just deep, deep, deep. Uh, in vending machine and payments experience, and we're going to talk about that. So our first up here is the Weather Channel's uh, WeatherFX platform, which to me singles a far, 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 far greater uh, acceptance of context as an incentive to buy, as a marketing platform. And there's nothing better, especially for Canadians, to talk about than the weather. And the fact that, uh, you know, it's a perfect example. If you walk down New York City, in the middle of the day and it could be just beautiful sun is shining everybody's happy and then a storm comes in and it just rages <laughs> and you see all those street vendors that are sitting there selling wallets and knockoffs and purses and all these things and they just i don't know what they do they just flip it over and there are these umbrellas almost immediately right and they understand that those umbrellas that would usually sell for 5.99 now sell for 15.99 because it's raining they understood context well before we understood context that was just New York City and the street vendors. Now we're talking about the weather channels and leveraging that exact same thing. When it's hot, prices go up or you their ads promote things that will what? Cool you down, right? So yep. this is amazing and it just leads to a great conversation around context. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, so they're looking at 30 years worth of data that they've collected uh, and being able to being able to take trends from that. And so they like they've got some interesting examples in this uh, in this piece I read here. So they're saying, you know, they can look at it and they can say literally they they have data to back this up and say New Yorkers are more willing to spend their money on ice cold beer after 3 days of above average temperatures in the summer. Right, they know. They know specifically. It's three days is the trigger for you know selling more ice cold beer, and similarly, they say for ice cream, people in LA are more likely to indulge when there is a below average wind speed and a temperature that doesn't feel too cold during the fall. <laughs> right. So they have all this data, right, and they're able to look at this. Now, 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 these CPG companies are sitting there going, "We've been waiting for this stuff," right, and so. 
you know, not only can they can they change traditional marketing, but all the context, location based, you know, real time stuff that we've been talking about, like Google outside that we talked about a few weeks back, you know, in in, uh, in London, yeah. or you know, any of this, you know, these these digital screens where we can change content, uh, you know, in real time, no pre predetermined ad buy. It's platforms like this Weather FX that are going to drive that forward. The data to me is is perfect. Here's a perfect example of big data honed in to figure out exactly yeah. exactly the the right data at the right time. And uh, you know, I would almost I would almost think that like location is is not as important as context in this nature. Obviously, for 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 weather, like the location is obviously yeah. where the weather is happening. But this is one of these. You know, it dawns on you that that a lot of companies are are floundering with big data and trying to understand what their their number one driving force or their number one point that they're trying to get from that big data is. And here's the Weather Channel is that they understand it very well. And to me, it's very very baseball type statistics right that you know when, when mm -hmm. the sun is setting it's 405 and the humidity is at 98 percent you know and and um you know the dew point is this and the grass is this high and he's he's batting against left-handers with a ball and two strikes like they understand the statistics they play the stats like that they understand yeah. how to bring big data down to the moment and i think that that's what the weather channel is doing right here they're bringing big data down to the moment absolutely and, and, and at the moment it's usually of weakness if you're on defense or and it's a, of strength when you're on offense and i think you have to understand this very very clearly and that th that's what gets me so excited because if the weather channel can do this with 30 years of data you know the post office can do this with 100 years of data the television networks can do this our debit yep. system interact up here in canada should be able to do this with a drop of a hat because every transaction goes through those guys credit card companies the same thing they all have Absolutely. this stuff but it comes back to you know in all the examples you just gave it comes back to the thing i say all the time you know, and it's getting you know more complicated every day because we're collecting you know increasingly you know bigger amounts of data, real time data, you know the volumes there. You know, it, it, I mean, there's just so much of it, right? But the gap in all these organizations is the analysts, right? The people who know what to do with this stuff, yeah. right? How to package it, how to sell it, how to make money from it. You know, what's important, what's valuable. You know, what you know, you know what do, what are these CPGs actually looking for out of all the data we have in the last thirty years, right? And I think that's the key here. Uh, it's got to lend to product sales or service sales. Or, yeah, absolutely, or, yeah. right? But somebody's got to figure out what, what, what they've got in the, in the gold mine of stuff here and, and what to package up and sell. You know, but it, it takes, like, for me, like, the Weather Channel has always been uh, proactive. It's always been very, very uh, forward-thinking around yeah. applications. And I remember Peggy Ann Saltz uh, from Mobile Group talking to me about uh, the Weather Channel uh, and interviewing the Weather Channel and talking about the, 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 the intelligence that is inside of that company. And, and here's a perfect example, right? Uh, not only for their television channels... Right, which they have, uh, you know, franchised around the world, but also the the fact that they're leveraging all of this data into these things, which is very usable data, and and it's it's cause and effect, right? Yes, this is actually what happens. People mm. will buy beer if it's been hot for three days, right? But exactly. So, so uh, you know, I, I guess I wonder what the big lesson here is for for companies that are out there trying to struggle with this kind of stuff. Is that they they've, they've got all of this data that just keeps coming in like w in waves and waves and waves and waves. And the, th the moment they think they have something of value, they realize that they have you know thirty thousand terabytes of data that just came in yesterday. 
Then now they have to reanalyze and figure out if they're right. But it just seems like the Weather Channel understands it. They understand that that this cause and effect of of of, of weather, right, which is their business. So, so I got one more question about this. Um, yeah. Is this they're going to run this their ad network themselves, or are they going to uh, give you know open this up? Do you know we're going to open this up to developers so they can be part of other it, applications? I think it's an exchange platform that people can can basically buy the data from. I'm okay. not sure it's a developer piece, but okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask. I think that, that that would be the next phase if the Weather Channel wanted to actually monetize this and get this into multiple devices. I think it's pretty effective. Awesome. All right, our second story, which gets me even more excited, and I'm an iOS guy. Hey, see? I'm right with you. I, like, the, the, some, of the, some of the prototypes of these uh, wearable uh, technology powered by Google Android for wearables look freaking amazing. You're excited about this. I, I am excited about this. So... You know, we, we, we've heard all the rumors, you know, that both Apple and Google are going to be coming out with some sort of, you know, smartwatch, you know, technology. By the way, the other thing, you know, while I'm on the Google topic, I, you know, random thought here. <laughs> so I, he I heard a story this week, uh, you know, just another nail in the coffin, that uh, the White House uh, has approved Android now um, and, and, and could be triggering the replacement of BlackBerry. Obama might be giving up his BlackBerry uh, in favor of an Android device. Uh, or or an Android smartwatch. I wonder, uh, I wonder what I, I wonder what uh, just I, you know as we continue down. But I wonder what the the impact on his popularity is when you, when you see him walking around with a BlackBerry versus you know a, a you know a, a Galaxy yeah. or a, or an iPhone. I wonder what the the implication is. I wonder what, I wonder what his daughters have. Well, of course they have iPhones. My <laughs> guess is they would have iPhones. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if everything's got to be on BlackBerry there or not. But anyways, yeah. Um, so, so, sorry, I, I didn't mean to sidetrack us. Way to go. So yeah, anyways, so they've got this new operating system, um, you know, called Android Wear, and, and it's basically the same, you know, Google mobile operating system. They've just opened it up so that uh, it's focused on people who want to build uh, apps for wearable uh, technology. Uh, one of the keys to it is, is it's got a voice control piece that Rob referred to earlier called OK Google. Um, and, and so you basically just voice this command and, and a bunch of things can happen when you say OK Google. Um, so that, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, it's also got a multi-screen functionality uh, piece built into it. So what, what they mean by that is, is that in addition to, you know, you just building for, you know, the, the, the wearable device itself, you can use the wearable device and commands that, that are coded into it and what you're doing to, to launch other things on your phone or your desktop or, you know, whatever, you know, other Android, uh, you know, devices is around you and is happening. So it's not limited to the wearable itself, uh, but the wearable, you know, and through this uh, OS that they've created can, can control other devices as well. This is this is really fascinating for me because you see two different strategies coming along the lines here for a company like Apple, which is as you said, rumored to be coming out with a watch, and much yeah. more than a watch, really, like a health band. I would say is that are these rumors, right, based on the people that they've been hiring and the technology that they've yeah. been acquiring, and uh, and then you've got uh, a company like Google, which is has been rumored and rumored and rumored for coming out by coming out with a with a smart device for your wrist as well. And they've come out with Google Glass, and they've refined Google Glass and gotten better at it and better at it. Still, it's the most ridiculous thing on the planet. You'll never catch me wearing it. It will never catch on because it looks, you look like an idiot wearing Google Glass. Um, it's just my opinion. Um, but 
what they've done is refined this hand-free operating system, which they will roll into this, and then they're going to put out to partners to develop power that. So, you know, Google is still very shrewd. They realize that they're not a hardware company. They sucked at hardware. Um, they've got the Nest, which is sitting over there as an independent mm -hmm. company, and they're gonna they're gonna suck it dry for UI. And, but and, I saw that in Home Depot the other day. I watched yeah, it on yeah, Nest. There there and it was great and the fire alarm right the fire yeah. the fire detector smoke detector but they're gonna they're gonna suck out all the information they can about operating system or user interface and user experience and then they're gonna try to figure this out because that's really a hands-free device it does a lot of things in the background so I these two different strategies you're built, looking at a hardware company like Apple and you're looking at a company like Google that just wants to power the internet and wants to, as many people using their platforms so that they can leverage the masses for advertising or for eyeballs or for whatever it is that they're going to do uh, interactivity and they're playing on the fringe of this internet of things play but you know you start to see this integration where they're they're f focusing on the fitness area first with this with this uh, uh, this operating system with uh, Android Wear and uh, so gonna, there's going to be Google Maps integration with Google Google Now, which is the OK Google stuff. And, and mm -hmm. then they're going to start to leverage their savviness, I suppose, in partnering with a lot of these companies like Samsung, who's leveraging the operating system. Um, so they've, they've uh, corralled fashion brands like uh, Fossil, uh, to be able to come in and design, yeah. design, um, you know, the hardware around this, and then Motorola and LG are going to also design the technology behind this, and and they're going to be uh, among the first to start releasing these devices in the second quarter of this year. So you got a company like Apple that is building the hardware, and then you got a company like Google, and that's where their bread and butter is, and they're fine with that. They love that. Uh, and then you've got Google saying, listen, no, no, we want to drive the operating system, just like they did with Android for smartphones. Yep. They want to drive every smart device on the planet with uh, with Android. I think it's two different strategies. So maybe we never do see an, an, a Google-made smart device. We just see them powering every single freaking device on the planet. Amazing. Amazing. So this is this is the battle that we're starting to see. And... and uh, I, I like some of the uh, mock-ups that we've seen from of the hardware uh, and the software yep. combination. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this stuff. And we know that this is just the just the fringe. This is the beginning. God, I love it. It's coming, man, and, and it's uh, it's coming fast. And I love I love the design piece, right? I love that companies like Fossil are are, uh, are coming on board with this, and uh, you know. Embracing, you know, the uh, the smartwatch and, and not sticking to sort of. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I am. I'm not sure yet whether I'm going there personally. Uh, whether that, that's for me, I, I mean, I still wear, you know, a regular old school watch, right? I mean, it's just part of part of what I do, right? Um, you it's know, I love watch. watches. I collect watches. Uh, you know, I've got. I think I have like you know eight watches or something, and uh, and I wear them. Um, and, and it's not that I'm not going to wear. No, no, no. But but I will wear that. I will wear the you know the Fitbit. I'll wear you know the the stuff to collect health data and 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 other data like that. But a watch, like from a watch perspective, you know, I'm not sure I need a screen on my uh, yeah. my thing here telling me everything what to do. But uh, <laughs> get off <laughs> we'll your ass. See. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, you know, we had played this game when we were in Disney. Uh, with my kids, is guess the number of steps we're going to take, and uh, we were up to twenty, twenty-one thousand steps, right? Which is eighteen, yep. nineteen miles in a, or kilometers in a day, which is crazy. And I, I mean, that's a lot of walking. Anyway, I, I th this for me, what what Google is doing, 
uh, is, a, is a continuation of their existing strategy. They've got to differentiate a little bit. They can't rely on ads. But when you start to think about what we were just talking about uh, previously around uh, contextual-based marketing, like the Weather Channel's WeatherFX platform, and what Google's doing here with, with their operating system, and the fact that it is a Google-Facebook world when it comes to mobile advertising, uh, mm -hmm. this is just a natural extension of what they're doing. And uh, I, I, you know, people who think that maybe they're going to release a hardware product, I would hope that they don't because they're so shitty at hardware hardware and support that they should just power everybody's devices and let the hardware makers and the designers design properly and make good hardware and let them power it. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Our last story, Steve, take this away. Like, you know what? Uh, I was, uh, here's my vending story. I tried to use a vending story when I went skiing a couple of weeks ago in Lake Placid. Uh, they have uh, Coke machines. All the Coke machines at Whiteface Mountain are ISIS enabled. And uh, it just, it just never, it doesn't work for me. It's the it only place work. that I've seen, you know, a vending machine that is ISIS enabled and mobile payment enabled. I've never seen another one since. I've never, I, and I will, you know, I, I couldn't get this one to function properly, even though I have an ISIS account. It just, it didn't work. Um, so talk about what pay Range, why, why pay range is going to make these things so much easier and so much better for all of us. Well, let's start with the technology piece. Yeah. So, so I mean, first of all, this is not, um, you know, NFC or I, which is what ISIS is banking yep. on or anything like that, uh, which, you know, half of the U.S. doesn't have because, you know, obviously they're more on iPhones. Uh, more than half. Yeah. Um, so what these guys are doing is, is they're, you know, they're, they're using effectively, you know, beacon type technology here again. Um, you know, in a different context, this is a, a, a small little wireless device. It's Bluetooth powered uh, that they, they put inside the vending machine. Uh, they put in parking meters as well, by the way. Um, you know, so it's pretty cheap to install. I think it's like $20, um, you know, per unit. Uh, you, you throw it into a vending machine. Uh, it's like I said, it's Bluetooth enabled. So, you know, most of us have Bluetooth on our phones. And, and so it enables us to uh, to make that transaction. I mean, it, it does require you to have an app, um, you know, to uh, to execute on this, I believe. Uh, so, so you've got you've got to you've got to download the pay range app. Yes, you and do. Load it in because what you're doing is, is you're preloading like your Starbucks card, you know, a stored value in there uh, that you can then use at, you know, any pay range enabled vending machine. Um, you know, so, you know, on the one hand, you know, the simplicity of the technology, the ubiquity of that in the sense that it's, it's Bluetooth and it's very cheap for the, uh, for the vendors to, you know, to, to add these into the machines. I like, obviously this comes down to the ability, you know, can we drive downloads? Can we get people, uh, you know, on, on board with the, with the system? Um, I think what would be interesting here, and this is just my own opinion, uh, in addition to uh, a pay range app, you know, to add the ability to use my stored value in other uh, you know, card systems, you know, even my Starbucks card, for example, right. um, you know, like if I've got, you know, 50 bucks on my Starbucks card right now and I can use that somehow, you know, through my mobile phone because I have a Starbucks app here with a stored value uh, and I can use that at the vending machine as well, that would be really smart. That would be really cool for me. Um, or so, PayPal. So that, huh? Or, or PayPal. PayPal. Yeah. Basically anything where I have stored value on my phone already, um, you know, if I don't want to download the pay range app, would be would be great, I think. Yeah. And, and so we'll see whether they they open it up to something like that. But that's what I would do. You know, because even uh, here in Ottawa, and you probably have this in Toronto, and you probably have had this in San Francisco and any other major city for many, 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 many years. Uh, yep. We have this thing called pay by phone, which is uh, for parking meters, for the new digital parking yep. meters in the city of Ottawa, where you you download an application and you're like, hey, you can pay with your app. Um, 
so you don't have to pay with you know with with cash or credit cards um so you know we have these systems now where where you know basically solar powered systems that you can pay with your credit card or cash and you get your your parking tickets right the the mm -hmm. uh so you download the application that says hey enter your enter your credit card it's like yep. fuck you that is not effective, man. Like, no, I'm not going to download an application so I can just put my credit card in the application and then just pay with that. Like, I might as well just stick my credit card in there and in and out and I'm paid, right? No, I want something that is tied into my payment systems. I want it to go right into my bank account and take that money out of my bank account, yeah, not through my exactly. credit card. I don't want to pay with a credit card. So, and if I did want to pay with a credit card, I would just stick my credit card in the slot that says credit card. So I am not for all of these systems that all they do is require you to prepay or stick some freaking credit card number behind it so that it'll charge a credit card. And I could have done it. Take a, it'll take a fee. And it's not effective. That is not mobile payments. Not that happening. is garbage payments. And so pay by phone, not a good service. So I think that the, the big thing with pay range here is that if that's what they do, if I have to preload a card, not going to work. Because how often do I go to a vending machine? Not enough to have a prepaid yeah. or a balance on a card with a company that I only go to once a year. Right? So I, I think that their business yeah. model has got to change here. So I'm with you on that. Now, I mean, the, the, good news, the good news about this company, in addition to, you know, what I already said is, you know, there's a lot of pedigree here in the guys who are running this thing. Yep. These guys understand payments. They understand the vending machine business. They have backgrounds in, in both, you know, in both of those. Um, so this guy, uh, Parish uh, Patel, he's one of the co-founders. Uh, he was one of the co-founders of a company called Vendscreen. Uh, previous to that, so he understands. You know, he's coming from the vending, uh, you know, machine background. Uh, in that sense, you know, this company is based in Portland. Portland's got like a slew of guys who are related to this company uh, that you know have been doing all sorts of mobile commerce and transactions. You've got uh, uh, Simple Finance Technology, which uh, sold out of there for 117 million uh, last month. You've got Giftango, which is an online gift card company, which is out of there. You've got Chirpify out of there. I mean, so there's a bunch of guys that are related to this company, connected to this company, who totally understand, you know, how to make money in this space. So I think it's got a good shot. Yeah, you, you know, maybe. But I would say that if they don't yeah. satisfy this, if I can pay with my Starbucks card or something that I've already committed to, I think that that's a yeah, bigger, I mean, that that's was, a bigger that, win. That was my one suggestion. Yeah. So, guys, you know, if you're listening, hey, Rob Please. and I are saying, you know, link it up to something else. Link it up. Link it up to anything else. And I think that even even if you did, I, I hate to come back to Disney, but Disney does this great thing is that they just accumulate. Like if I'm there and I'm tapping out my wrist on yeah. all of these stores, they just accumulate it and then they send me an invoice basically, or I pay when I check out. So, mm -hmm. you know, per per transaction just doesn't work for me anymore where I'm like, you know what, I, I have to load it up and then, and then I, no, 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 make it simple for me. Uh, just let me do it seamlessly. You'll get me to adopt it. And, you know, you just say, look, you have a $20 cap. I know it can be expensive because people may right. not pay, but you've got to make it this seamless. And if you can't get other people, other vendors in, if you can't get other uh, places where I store I mean, my cash. And these guys are in Portland. It's not that far from Seattle, guys. That's where Starbucks is, you know. Well, I think that uh, this Figure is, PayPal should buy these guys. PayPal should buy these guys. Yeah. There you go. I think that that's one of the things. So they should get big enough for, to get on PayPal's radar and then PayPal should buy them. Or somebody with a closed payment system should be I able like to it. buy these guys. Cool. All right, so those are the three stories. Did we get any of that right? Reach out, robinontether.tv or Asif at TheLBMA.com. Asif, if you're not watching this, Asif, and, and, and become a Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. If you give us a buck, we will let you on the show and have an argument with us about these things. We'd love it. Yeah. And if you want to be a guest on this show, just come on and cover the news with us. Why not? 
Hey, Asif, I've just opened this. I haven't even talked to Asif. Come on on. Hey. If you can do this at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, Eastern time, we would have you on. <laughs> we typically film these on Absolutely. Friday. We typically film these on Friday afternoon. If you want to be a part of it, please. We'd love to have you on. If you know anything about this, if you think you have an opinion about this, like Asif and I do, we want to want to come on and, and join yeah. the show. And fun. by the way, you know, the one the one other thing we haven't talked about yet, Rob. Yeah. is we think we have some opinions here, Rob and I do. We've been doing this for a while now. Yes. We've decided to put those opinions into a book. Yes. Um, oh, shit, yes. I forgot to mention about the book. Yeah, we've decided to put this into a book. So uh, it's called People, Places, Media. And uh, if you go to the website, peopleplacesmedia.com, you can sign up to get the first chapter for free. So there you go. If, if, you, know, if you don't get enough of us here, Every week, you can read about on, uh, you can read our on, on this week in location-based marketing. You can get a whole lot more uh, to come in book form. And there you know you what? I don't even swear in the book. No, it's like muted. No swear. You can no, read this to your kids I, at night. I can't. I can't say there's no Springsteen in it yet, but <laughs> that's right. All the case studies are Springsteen. But this is a book you could read to your children at, at night <laughs> if you want them to go to sleep really fast. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. All right, uh, those are our stories. We love doing those. We love bringing those. Uh, but if we've missed anything, please reach out, Rob at ontether.tv or Steve at the LBMA, LBMA.com. Um, I, you know, our resource of the week is uh, this uh, application that has been taking, I don't even know if it's taking the world by storm, taking uh, North America by storm. It's called Fire Chat. Uh, it's a hyper-local chat network for iOS that even works when you don't have an internet connection. Now, this is one of the things that we was looking at. It came to me when I was uh, in, in uh, Florida, where, you know, sometimes data fees are prohibitive. So I'm trying to figure out a way that I can communicate with my wife and, and send text messages back and forth or messages back and forth that don't cost any money. The great thing about Disney is the fact that they have this blanket of Wi-Fi across all of their parks, their guest areas, outdoors, indoors, so there's no need to worry about any data transference. But when I'm not there, I was trying to figure out a way that I could send messages, or when my wife wasn't there, I could send messages back and forth. The uh, And I came across this, FireChat. And basically, it it, uh, it is like a mesh network. It makes use of the multi-peer multi connectivity framework that is found in iOS 7. It's only in iOS 7, it's not Android, so they've got to figure out a way to do this in Android, so it's only available in iOS 7 right now. Uh, but this allows developers to uh, discover multi-peer enabled services on nearby iOS devices using Wi-Fi, peer-to-peer connections, and Bluetooth. So it uses all of these different connectivity ways of connecting. It's and it is a mesh network, and and the limit is about 100 feet. But there are ways that you can probably amplify that through a true mesh network, like bouncing off of different devices. And I think this is fascinating. You don't have to have a user account, so it's complete anonymity. You yeah. can seg segment by global, so anybody who's on the network, and this requires internet, or anybody who's within 100 feet, which is your local network. Um, so this is uh, this is only iOS. It's going to be a while for Android to come. But what I think about this in a big, broad scale about why this is so fascinating as a resource of the week, you can go download and play with it. Um, and it's it's got bugs. This challenges in the way that they do it, but it's the first version. But I think that this is a probably the very beginning of this peer-to-peer -peer or this mesh network next generation carrier system. It, 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 it's it's the new form of passing notes in the classroom. It, and it is, but it's it's also the, it could be the new form of of voice communication right it yes, could be the new form of, of everything that just circumvents the voice 
component of carriers, right? And it just leverages data and leverages proximity. Now, the challenge with this are, are many. Like you need a good portion of the population using an application like this in order for it to be able to work effectively. But could you turn something like this, like FireChat, that uses Wi-Fi, peer-to-peer -peer connections, and Bluetooth uh, to be able to transport data? Could you use this as a, as a native maybe small carrier application yeah. or voice communication application that is done over a mesh network. This this fascinates me. So I, I, I like this. You can download the application for iOS right now and start you know, you know hammering out chats with uh, people near you or uh, you know around the world. And uh, this is, but I think that this is a glimpse of something that is much greater and will have a greater impact if uh, if this takes off. Um, and I think that this is one of those things that the carriers are looking at and saying, oh, voice, here's another nail in the voice coffin. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. And you heard it here first. Yay, Apple for once, right? Because of this this uh, multi-peer connectivity framework. Well. Awesome. So that's FireChat. And uh, you can find that in the App Store for iOS and download it. And uh, hey, you can try to find me on there, but it's all anonymous. So good luck with that. And that's maybe when that that whole uh, you know the domain registrar, the wireless registrar of devices will fit in. Is that you'll be able to see my yeah. device name, a whole bunch of different pieces here that are slowly coming together. All right, uh, that's 174, isn't it? Do you have anything else to add, Asif? I'm good. All right, now I got to go edit this thing. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Uh, that is it for one episode number 174. Asif and I will be back for 175 next week, as we are each and every week. If you have any feedback, you know how to reach out to us. Do it in any way, shape, or form. Twitter, through Facebook. You, you know, we never push the Facebook pages, which is facebook.com forward slash the LBMA or forward slash untether. Uh, but the best way to reach us is obviously our email addresses. It's the most direct. If you have some great things to say about this podcast, you can do it on iTunes five stars or four stars or greater would be very much appreciated not only just leave a four star but how about a, like a written review as well yeah we'll, we'll read it right here we really appreciate those people who have done that already so we'll give you the shout out we will and include your company that's all i gotta say is include your company name in there and we will push it for you and for those of you who have been supporting us at patreon.com forward slash untether thank you thank you and I swear to you, I will give you the biggest hug if I ever see you in person. In fact, walk up to me and say, Rob, I am a patron. And I will hug you right then and there. I don't care. I don't care who's around. <laughs> Just be prepared for it, even if you're on stage. Um, and I will call you out if I'm on stage and you're in the audience. Put up your hand. Please let me know that you're a supporter. And I will walk down there and hug you. So go to patreon.com forward slash untether. And that is it. See if I'm all talked out. All right. Good. So Let's we'll see you next week. Bed. All right. See you later, everybody. Have a great week.